Greetings, everyone. Francis Fernando here. Hashtag, how much will I make? My mantra when it comes to real estate investing, because I think about you, my listener, my loyal listener, because you are taking your hard-earned time, your hard-earned money, and you're putting that hard-earned time and money into a real estate transaction, be it education by listening to this episode, be it the hard-earned money put down as a down payment for your real estate, or the time it takes to research, analyze using a pro forma, analyze the performance of a real piece of real estate asset, which I hope you are doing. It takes time. If it takes time and you've got busy lives to lead, then if it takes time out of your schedule, if it takes money out of your schedule, should it not make you a return on investment? The basic tenets of real estate investing or any form of business, ROI, return on investment, or ROE, return on education. If you're going to take time to listen to this podcast, I want it to be of ultimate maximum value to you. So with that, today's episode is part two of what we started on the last episode, which is how to buy a foreclosure and REO part two. So as a refresher, in part one, we talked about how does a property even become a foreclosure? There's a path, there's a, I love the word mechanics because I'm an engineer by profession and I think like an engineer and I attribute everything in life to a mechanical process. Whether you're buying a foreclosure, whether you're investing holistically in real estate, whether you are uh, running a property management company, moving a tenant in, moving a tenant out, uh, managing a tenant, uh, leasing up a unit, whatever the function may be. There are engineering principles as it relates to process, as it relates to mechanics. Uh, and that's how I ran my property management company for close to 13 years. I ran a systematized property management company from ground zero. I built that company until I sold it to private equity. So uh, I love the word mechanics. Very similarly, in the foreclosure process, there is a set of mechanics that occurs. There's a process, there's a set of steps that occurs that brings a property into the world of foreclosure or REO. The distinguishing difference between an REO and a foreclosure is that once it gets to the stage of being an auctioned property, if it gets sold at the auction to a third party, so to a real estate investor or just a private citizen out there that's interested in that property, then that property has been foreclosed and it has sold to a third party. If the property does not sell at foreclosure, it still gets foreclosed once the gavel comes down by the uh, referee, also known as the judge, also known as the attorney who's conducting the foreclosure auction. Once that gavel comes down and it says, sold to the highest 
bidder. That is still a foreclosure, but if it does not sell to a third party, then it reverts or sells back to the bank or the lender that originally had that mortgage. Once it goes to the bank, that is what is called an REO asset, which stands for real estate owned. Kind of a weird name, real estate owned. What it means is that it's bank owned. So that's the distinct difference between a foreclosure and an REO. So we talked about that in episode one, which is how does a property sort of go through? How does a uh, an individual unfortunately lose a property to foreclosure? And today we are going to explore how do you actually buy a foreclosure? So it's gone through the entire process and you as an interested party, maybe it's for your own personal home to live in. Maybe you're a real estate agent and you want to help a client buy a foreclosure because you want to bring value to your clients. Or maybe you're a real estate investor that's looking to pick up distressed real estate at a value, at a value proposition. There is a saying in real estate that states that you make money on a real estate transaction at the time of purchase. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. You make money in real estate at the time of purchase. So if you think about that, the opportunity to buy distressed real estate gives you that chance to get into that with a at a point where the prices are already depressed most of the time as long as you buy the property right and as long as you don't get caught up in certain snags and traps that do lurk around the distressed real estate market so that's what we're going to talk about today so let me jump right into it so we have a property. Um, it has been gone through the foreclosure process, right? The last step is the uh, notice of sale has been approved by the courts, right? At this point, the current owner, the person who's being foreclosed on, has lost his rights of redemption. In other words, nothing he can do, he can bring a boatload of cash, and the bank is not going to stop the foreclosure process. For all intents and purposes, this foreclosure is going to plow through. There are a few nuances, we're not going to get into that, but um, uh, there are some complications as it pertains to bankruptcy filings and all that, but we're not going to touch on that. For all intents and purposes, this property is going to go through the foreclosure process. The way a foreclosure process works is it's a physical auction. There is a physical auction. Now, I'm going to add a disclaimer here for all of those of you listening. Uh, and I added this disclaimer in, in uh, episode one as well, or uh, part number one of how to buy a foreclosure and REO asset. <clears throat> the disclaimer is that... Each region is going to have its own uh, set of rules and requirements and um, disclosures and processes for the foreclosure um, um, process, right? So this is United States specific. This is generally how foreclosures work, but based on your region, based on your state, your region, your location, your town, your municipality, your county, there's going to be distinct differences. So I want you to definitely research them, definitely speak to an attorney. 
uh, in your local region that understands the local foreclosure rules and you want to operate within that. This is a one step above that says here's how a foreclosure sort of works and there'll be local nuances. So with that, um, we are, um, the foreclosure has been scheduled, right? Foreclosures typically can take place in one of two places. A, at the property, right? So if the property is being foreclosed, the foreclosure will be scheduled, the foreclosure auction will be scheduled on site at the property. The other location that a property uh, gets foreclosed is very often, it's at the county hall. Typically where foreclosure de or where the deeds of the property are uh, stored, uh, city hall, county hall, look for your local county hall and find out where the foreclosure is being auctioned off. All foreclosure auctions are going to be listed on a local, it has to be a public um, public document that it's listed on, so a, a publication. Uh, it could be on the local newspaper, it could be on the local law journal, it could be on a um, uh, websites such as uh, large attorney websites that are uh, responsible for conducting these foreclosures. It could be on sites such as auction.com, HubZoo. These are all large national sites. I personally use auction.com. I think it's a it's a vast, vast list. Um, also, for as a second disclaimer to this video, I do have an associated relationship with auction.com. So there's no, uh, this video is not influenced by them. This is an independent video. This is not endorsing them nor is it uh, I'm just saying telling you on this uh, video that I do use personally use auction.com um, they are a large large um, marketer and facilitator of uh, REOs and foreclosed properties so that's another option um, so you want to look at where these auctions are being listed. The listing is typically going to state the date of the auction, the property address obviously, uh, date of the auction, time of the auction, and also whether where the auction is going to be held at. So if it is at the local city hall, then it'll be it'll be listed where the auction is going to take place. It'll also have pertinent information about it. Um, such as, uh, um, you know, there might be property, basic property information, there might be a, a, uh, a property condition report, there might, you know, it depends on the location that you're researching this property. Uh, but you want to look for the listing. You also want to make sure, as a little side you know, note, you also want to look for where you can get updates about this property because it might be scheduled for, I'm just making up a date here, December 15th um, uh, at 2 p.m., but it's such a fluid date, you don't want to be caught up in, you know, going to this on December 15th at 2 p.m. to find out that it was A, canceled, B, rescheduled to an earlier time, which would be sad because then you would have missed out on that opportunity, or rescheduled to a later date uh, of which you could have just saved the energy and time on going there. So you want to make sure that you get status updates, whatever site you're looking at, whatever publication you're looking at, make sure you get status status updates uh, so that you know the real-time live status of that auction. So status of the auction, 
is the first step you want to make sure you know uh, when it is when it's scheduled you then want to do your extensive research on the property now i'm going to cover in uh, later on in this video i'm going to cover a section on due diligence uh, and i'm going to fly through it but i'm going to list seven really important due diligence steps for you so that is upcoming so just stand by for that um, but you want to research the property make sure it's something that you want to do take a drive by the property and really know your numbers before you come for the auction now what happens at the auction or well, what is a foreclosure auction here's what it is foreclosure auction is basically the lender the bank is saying has been has been approved to foreclose on the property the people who are going to be present at the auction is two critical people person critical person number one is the auctioneer the person who's conducting the auction the person who has the Property is being sold at a hundred thousand hundred thousand hundred thousand. Do I hear a bid for hundred and one? Do I hear a bid for hundred and one? We have a hundred and one thousand over here. Do I hear a bid for a hundred and two thousand? That is called the auctioneer So the auctioneer is going to be the person conducting the sale the second critical person so critical person number two is the bank representative the bank representative this is the person who is watching out for the best interests of the bank right so typically it'll be a representative from a firm such as auction.com it could be another law firm that is sending out their representatives um, it could be a private individual that they have hired to represent them no matter what the case is it could be a direct employee of the bank it will be a representative that has got the best interests of the bank so these are the two critical people that are going to be present at the auction so when you attend the auction the first thing you want to do is go to those two people find those two people there there might be more they might come in teams if it's a larger auction and they're auctioning off multiple properties but you want to introduce yourself they may have a registration requirement and a proof of funds requirement very very important a proof of funds you cannot bid on a property in most instances unless you have ready and willing cash available as your deposit now again as my disclaimer states it is very different depending on the locations regions municipalities that you operate in Typically, they are looking for 10% of your bid price. So let's come up with an example here. If you bid on that property up to 100,000, you will need to have $10,000 of either cash or certified check made payable to the referee. The referee is the auctioneer. So those are terms that they use loosely. Referee or the conductor of the auction or the auctioneer. That has to be made payable to the auctioneer. Um, a lot of times this information can be found on the disclosures. So if we go back into step one, the disclosures where you find where this auction is being listed, who's conducting the auction, they're typically going to have all the rules and regulations there. So you want to research that. Make sure you have a check or cash ready and available to be given to one of those individuals. So you go there, you introduce yourself, 
let them know that you're a qualified bidder, you have the um, the funds available, and you want to register if they do have a registration requirement to bid. Then the referee or the auctioneer will read out the terms of the sale. This is actually a very important process. It's a hilarious but important process because literally you will stand there as the attorney reads out four pages, five pages, sometimes six pages of uh, terms and conditions and they are super boring but they are super important because there's some valuable information that's in those terms and conditions that states the nature of the sale so you want to listen to those as boring and as hilarious as they are you want to listen to the terms and conditions um, you can typically ask for a set of terms and conditions for yourself and read through it yourself as well before the auction I do recommend that you get there at least half an hour to 45 minutes before the auction so that you can research some of these uh, the terms and conditions the auction will start the auctioneer will typically have an opening price an opening price of the auction which might be anywhere from $100 to $500 and then the bidding will start right so there will be investors there who are bidding you want to pay attention and you want to have your number ready not that you're going to bid right up to that number but you're going to go in increments so an auction is typically going to have certain increments the auctioneer will state that we're opening our bids at 500 and we're doing $500 increments meaning that the next bid up is a thousand if someone bids a thousand and this is still within your range of bidding then you would bid 1500 the next bid that comes in would be 2000 and you keep going like that until there is a number called a reserve or an upset price again these are interchangeable phrases that they use in the auction world a reserve price or an upset price meaning that that is the minimum number that the bank is going to accept anything below that even though you may bid up to that it may not be accepted so let me give you an example say the property is the opening bid is 500 the bank has an upset price or a reserve price of 50,000 they may or may not disclose that most instances it is not disclosed so if they don't disclose that you are not going to know you're going to go into the bidding but once the bank gets to a certain point the bank may bid and say the bank is bidding 50,000 as a reserve the bank is never going to bid above their reserve so the bank is basically protecting their position at the $50,000 mark meaning they will not authorize a sale below 50,000 so even if the highest bid was 30,000 that property will not sell because the bank is going to bid up to the $50,000 mark to protect themselves that is the responsibility of that person critical person number two which is the bank representative they will be the one typically saying hey we're putting in a $50,000 bid for the for the bank on behalf of the bank to protect uh, the bank's uh, position then bids will continue going above that point above the 50,000 which is the only point that the property will sell and uh, once it sells to the highest bidder this is a very quick process I have seen auctions go as quick as two minutes I have seen them actually as go as quick as 30 seconds uh, if someone just bids a dollar over the bid and there's not a lot of people at the auction 
uh, or a dollar over the bank's asking price. Uh, so it'll go up until the auctioneer has the last bid and he'll call it typically two or three times and say, going once, going twice, sold for a hundred thousand or sold to you know Francis Fernando at the um, Francis Fernando for X amount of dollars right and once he puts the gavel down it is a final sale at that point you will everyone else will typically disperse it will be yourself the bank representative and the auctioneer that will do some critical paperwork number one you want to make sure that you get a uh, you get your money ready you put your 10 percent down you want to make sure you get a receipt for that you get the auctioneer's information who is typically also going to be responsible for the closing and all the associated paperwork that happens to transfer that property uh, from the foreclosure into your into your name uh, so you want to get their information you want to get the bank uh, reps information as much people as you can get get their information get uh, all the associated paperwork and the auction is essentially done it has been sold to you for hopefully a reasonable number that you have researched so that's how it works that's how the auction process works um, I want to transition a little bit into uh, what you do before you get into auction because I am all about being a disciplined real estate investor I have seen way too many people attend these auctions and just get into a bidding war and bid 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 but they don't really know what they're bidding for number one number two they end up buying a property over value because they get caught up in the whole you know nostalgia of being at an auction and they sometimes may pay more than the property is worth only to find pitfalls and only to end up losing money on the transaction so we're going to jump into uh, some of the due diligence steps that I want to make sure that you are aware of so due diligence step number one is really at a high level my intent and your intent should be that you come to that auction knowing everything about the property and also knowing what your number is so you want to know what your maximum bid is so you're a disciplined real estate investor you're not getting caught up in the emotion so if you feel that the property is worth hundred and twenty thousand on the open market all fixed up and you've done your numbers you've done your evaluation you've run your pro forma side note sidebar here if you want help with analysis of real estate please reach out to me this is the world that I live in I love pro forma I love analysis I love numbers so reach out to me if you need help on that regard but you want to have your scope of work your evaluation done then you back off the numbers and you come up with this number that is your maximum bid I would actually have your your sweet spot your your best number your range and then your maximum number that you're gonna go and that's your secret number that you're not gonna disclose to anyone and you're gonna bid with confidence up to that ceiling and because you're disciplined not a dollar more than that before you get 
get to that point. So significantly before the auction, you know, as soon as you start researching this property, which is hopefully a month or so, as soon as the property has been announced and you've you've uh, you've come upon it upon this from the site, whether it's auction.com or whether it's publications, whether it's the law journal, whether it's a friend who told you about it, you get into a research mode. Research is here are the seven steps that I want to make sure that you cover. There are seven steps. I want to make sure at a minimum you're covering this. Number one, look at the physical property, right? Examine the physical property. Drive by the physical property. So physically drive by the property. Know the community that you're going to buy the property in. Nine times out of ten, or maybe you can assume ten times out of ten, this property is going to be occupied. Because let's remember, part one of this, what do we say? It's owned by the current owner who's been foreclosed on. Nine times out of ten, if it's a single-family home, they are still occupying it, or ten times out of ten. If it's an investment property, it is ten times out of ten being occupied by tenants of that building with leases. So you have no rights to go on to that property, knock on the door and try to enter. No rights whatsoever. So you want to do the best that you can do by driving by, taking a look at it within the legal compliance, maybe possibly speaking to the neighbors. Neighbors are a world of information. Speak to the neighbors, find out if they know anything about the property, the general condition, have they been inside, what is the general story and what's going on there. So you want to drive by. Next, you once you've driven by and you've checked out the community, you want to do your research on comparables in that region. What are the school systems? What are the prices? What's generally going on in that neighborhood? Is it a declining neighborhood? Is it a neighborhood that's going up? Are there new employers there? Are they doing new road work? What is going on in that community? Tip for you is you can pick up the phone and call the local building department and uh, find out what's going on. The, the building department, the highway department, basically the city hall ha will have a department that's responsible for prop real property. Call them up, get some information about it. While you're on the phone with them, you can also ask for any kind of permits that have been pulled on the property, any kind of violations, housing code violations, if it's a rental property, if it's a single family home, are there any violations as far as permits, you know, uh, illegal work being done without a permit, just all the information that you can get. Call the tax office then and find out what the tax rates are. If the taxes are current, that's really critical because if the property forecloses and there's a tax lien, this is so important. If there's a tax lien on the property, a tax lien supersedes a mortgage lien. A tax lien supersedes a mortgage lien. A tax lien supersedes a mortgage lien. You do not want to be stuck with a property that has a tax lien. So you want to call the water department, call the tax office, make sure that you have researched all the uh, um, taxes and, and uh, permitting issues and all that. So that's item number two. Item number three is make sure that you do a title review. This is something that you could do on your own, but I am not recommending that you do this on your own. I recommend you contact an attorney and speak to the attorney about doing a preliminary title review. There might be a price associated with it. 
well worth the price. You can negotiate with your local attorney or you can find out from your attorney if he can show you the ABCs on how to do your own title review. And if you feel super confident about it and you understand it, like I said, mechanics, everything is tied to mechanics. Everything is tied to process. There's a process on it. I'm not going to cover a process on title review just because I feel it's important to partner up with the experts. So in my case, I partner up with a local attorney and I say, listen, I have an agreed upon rate. Can you run a title review for me on this property? So I get a title review of the property. That's step number three. Number four, I do my analysis. I do my scope of work. I do my pro forma analysis. I basically run my numbers. I run my numbers, assuming the worst case scenario, because you cannot get into the interior of the property. So I do my worst case scenario as far as a complete rehab on the interior. What kind of work do I need to do on the exterior based on the project? I'm also going to add in my finance costs. Important note, write me downer here. Foreclosed properties are typically not... Um, uh, are not covered or not financeable. The reason they're not financeable is that the time of the purchase, you can't get title insurance on it. There's a short period of time, I'm not gonna get into details on this, but the short period of time, you cannot get a title, clear title on it. You're gonna get a foreclosure or a, yeah, foreclosure title on it. Uh, and because you cannot get a foreclosure, um, uh, you're gonna get a foreclosure deed, you can't get a clear title on this, what is going to happen is that you're not going to be able to finance this through tra traditional financing. You're going to have to use cash. So you want to make sure your analysis has the cash numbers, the cost of borrowing capital. The cost of borrowing capital has to be part of your analysis. So I'd run the numbers, that's step number four. Uh, step number five is attend the local nearby properties, uh, call local agents and figure out if you can get into some of the local properties that are on the same street, same community, same neighborhood that are for sale because that's going to give you an indication of how those properties are being upgraded, what kind of condition those properties are versus what they are being sold for. That way you can really have a pinpoint accuracy on if I put this to make my property stand out more so than these, I can price it pretty competitively and I know that this property will then move. Uh, research zoning requirements. Like I told you, when you call the city, ask them if there are any zoning violations. Are there any discrepancies on, um, on the lot lines, plot lines? Uh, are there any changes coming with zoning? Is there the city coming through and, and putting in new um, road systems that's going to take part of your land? I mean, there's a lot of things that you want to look into. So zoning requirements. And finally, and this is just a minimum. These are seven minimum steps, right? Is to call your local insurance agent. Call your local insurance agent. Make sure that you can get insurance on the property because if you go to the auction, no sooner that you close and that gavel comes down and it becomes yours, you want to have some form of insurance coverage on that. So speak to your local 
insurance agent make sure that they have driven by the property and they are comfortable putting coverage on their property. So that's the seven due diligence steps. I really, really, that's a minimum. Really want to make sure that you have done this and done your homework before you get into bidding because then you can bid with confidence and that it's super important because the intent as i mentioned at the start of this video was in real estate you make money when you buy and so distressed real estate foreclosures are a great way to do it you just got to make sure that you are buying a property that is depressed in value so with that, folks, I think that is a pretty comprehensive part two. We have talked about what happens at a foreclosure, what are the steps, you know, what are the general dynamics of a foreclosure auction, what happens, who are the people, who are the important people that are there, where do they take place, where are these properties listed, once you go there, how do you behave and act and what are you supposed to do? You want to go there looking like a professional, looking like you know what you're doing. Again, typically 10% down right at auction. You want to go introduce yourself to the auctioneer and the bank representative. The auctioneer is sometimes called a referee. Introduce yourselves to them. Be ready. Listen to the terms and conditions of the sale. Listen to them, ask any critical questions. Once the auctioneering starts, make sure you understand what the, um, the bid increments are. Make sure you understand what the reserve price is. Make sure that you secretly know what your maximum, minimum, and your sweet spot to your own personal number is and buy with confidence. Buy with confidence. With that, folks, I know this video and this episode was of value to you. Buy auction properties with super ultimate confidence. Thank you so much.